1: paper since 1971 bonus time on the ben Drowski show as i speak it's friday may 19th 2023 just briefly what's in the news today i just got finished reading this article we're probably not going to discuss it with my distinguished guests although knowing the way the conversations go with my distinguished guests we go all places When we hook up together, it's been too long since we hooked up together, but we do go all places. But this story kind of really twist. So Congressman Jamal Bowman, uh, recently elected in New York City. And uh, like me, he's a lefty. Uh, I, I respect him. I like him. I support him. He's doing something interesting. He's confronting MAGA people directly and yelling at them, getting right in their face. Like he I've been I've now spent most of the day, not most of the day, but I spent a good chunk of time watching his encounters with Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, with uh, Massey, the uh, uh, the the right wing congressman out of Kentucky. Gets right in her face. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is crying and whimpering about how mean he is, which is so weird because she herself is so aggressive. She has violated so many people's space. I remember her before she was elected congresswoman uh, chasing after the young activist out of Florida, the anti-gun activist from uh, Florida as he was walking down the street in Washington. She was really harassing him. That's the thing about MAGA. You know, you do to them what they do to you, and they just crumble. It's like, oh, they reserve the right to be as rude as they want to be, because their rights are so important. But if you come back at them, then they crumble and they go, you're mean, you're picking on me, you're nasty, I feel threatened. Very strange breed, MAGA. haven't quite uh, figured them out. But Jamal Bowman, listen, I wouldn't do it. I'm a peace and love guy. Stay away from confrontation. But it's very interesting. Jamal Bowman is taking a page for MAGA, giving to MAGA. Uh, what Maggie generally gives to people like Jamal Bowen. All right, without further ado, I'm gonna ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. We have a lot on our plate to discuss. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself.
0: Hello, everybody, how you doing? My name is Sergio Vicente, and I host the Fight Podcast, along with a litany of other things that I do.
1: Yes, uh, dear friend of the show, uh, you, the long time listeners, go. Oh, I remember him back when days when you had a studio before COVID coming in. Yeah, uh, with DeFranz Smart, a couple times. DeFran's still a dear friend of the show. Comes on, we'll be talking basketball with her. Uh, and Sergio's uh, podcast is excellent. The man knows boxing inside and out. Uh, UFC, he knows ultimate fighting. Could you please stop calling it out. the
0: ultimate fight? The sport is called mixed martial arts. I've corrected
1: you yes, with he before. Always, and he always corrects me. Hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, you have. Th- that, that's like. It, what I'm doing is giving the, the brand name to a generic name. You're absolutely correct. And I sit corrected. Um, all right. We have a lot to discuss, uh, Sergio. And then also he's really knows basketball really well and politics. And he's kind of like me, a little on the lefty persuasion. A little bit. Uh, I might be the most so, lefty um, you know. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah. So before we move on, just your thoughts about Jamal Bowman. I don't know if you've been following this confronting. I love it. Doing to MAGA, what MAGA does. I love it. I I think it's something that the
0: Democrats have consistently been weak. They have consistently been weakened, have allowed the Republicans, not just MAGA, they've allowed the, the Republicans for decades to just bully them and talk to them and do everything. And then the moment that something comes back there, oh, I do declare, oh, they're clutching pearls and everything. <laughs> like that's what ends up happening with them. So next thing you know, you know, he is giving them a taste of their own medicine. And can we talk about what a joke? marjorie taylor green is to sit there and say that being a white supremacist is is equal to saying the n-word first of all it's a false equivalency because at the end of the day you're not even saying the word you're saying the n-word that's the first thing so it's a false equivalency people died and the last thing that they heard it was getting them yelled that was getting called the n-word and you're getting called a white supremacist because guess what sweetheart you're a white supremacist
1: uh, yeah, I I don't want to go too far afield on it, because we have a lot on our plate, but you're absolutely correct on it, and y- your point is well taken. Uh, she could, yeah, she didn't say, uh, she, he called me the W.S. word. Uh, it's such a freaking joke, because half of them brag about being white supremacists. Thank you. And so now... She's like turning it around. Talk about a mixed message, Sergio. Like on one hand, they brag about it. They say this is what they are. And then all of a sudden, you, you can't call well, us it, that. It, it's what, what they what? do.
0: They, they try to take what the other side does and they try to flip it on its head. Exact same thing that they were woke, right? They, they'll they sit there now. It's like woke is is a bad thing to say. And let's be very, they, them saying woke is equivalent to them saying the N word. That's all it is nowadays there that's why when santa says this is florida's where woke comes to die he's essentially saying this is where black people come to die this is where the the ideas of thoughts and everything like that come to die that is what he means when he says those type of things in that way
1: all right uh let's move on to uh the business uh of the day uh in your industry uh endeavor as soon as I saw the creation of this, I, I reached out to you. Actually, I just read the article and I texted you, Sergio, we got to get you back on the show. And, uh, I got so caught up in Chicago politics. It took a while to get the deal done, but we got it done. Uh, this is a fascinating, this is a big money deal, Sergio, uh, Ari Emanuel joining forces, uh, with Dana White and Vince McMahon, and they're going to have wrestling and mixed martial arts. Uh, and it's all going to be under this, this one umbrella. It's, They're going to, it's going to probably cost people more money to watch uh, these various fights, these champion fights, and it will make, probably make them more money. I'm wondering if uh, the fighters themselves will uh, get a piece of this pie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, the people doing the work, Sergio. Uh, (laughs) But why don't you take us through um, what this deal is uh, and all the different players? So take it away.
0: Well, we have, um, you know, Endeavor that is, uh, if we, we, we went back and we, we know the show uh, Entourage. And, and you had uh, Ari Gold's character in that show. Well, Ari Gold in real life is actually Ari Emanuel. That character was actually shaped after um, Ari Emanuel of Endeavor. Um, Ari Emanuel of Endeavor, a few years back, went out there and Endeavor purchased the UFC. And um, they, they bought, their, I believe it was somewhere beside $4.1 billion or something along those lines. Well, now they're up, um, I think, closer to about $12 uh, billion. And then now they have also just purchased uh, the WWE. WWE and Vince McMahon were actually looking to, to a sale now. That is a whole other can of worms, Vince McMahon, even being in the fold that we don't even have to touch on at this present moment in time. Uh, but that in itself is problematic. Uh, but um, hopefully that me, it, Hopefully, uh, after this deal, Voldemort, Voldemort will go away. Let's, let's just hope that happens. But uh, in terms of uh, the deal itself, what does it do, for instance, for the players itself? I mean, for the WWE Uh, The positive thing about that is that they didn't sell to Saudi Arabia. That's something that a lot of us were were worried about and that they went out there and sold the company to Saudi Arabia a... Place with all of the human rights human rights violations and things, and people already have an issue with the WWE even having a deal in which they go there. um, Actually, they'll be there next week for one of their big pay per views, and they go there um, uh, once a year or so for their big pay per view events there. Now, in the terms of the question that you ask, I mean, is it going to have cross promotion and things like that? The only thing that we'll probably end up seeing is you'll see like UFC fights. You know the big pay per views. You know uh, promoted on the events and vice versa. I think we will end up seeing some of that. Now, what does this have to do, and how would this end up affecting the fighters? It's not. It's not affecting fighters at all. The rich, that the suits are going to get paid. Nothing is going to happen to the fighters. The fighters aren't going to get a pay bump. Nothing is going to happen. So at the end of the day, this is this is a great deal for the powers that be but in terms of the athletes themselves, I mean, the only thing we'll end up seeing, I'm sure we will end up seeing some sort of the, the, the athletes that have showed interest in doing things with the WWE, we might see them go back and forth and doing little things, little spots here or there, celebrity type of matches. We might end up seeing those things, but they haven't even talked about it to this present moment in time. Um, but to be fair, this is just like when some other, other big companies merge together. Um, it's just two different brands. We're we're not going to see them. I mean, MMA and professional wrestling have always been kissing cousins. essentially they came up together. This, they, they have roots within the same place between catch wrestling and things of that nature. You and I have discussed this on this show before. Um, that is one of the things that's happening, but in terms of, you know, what's going to happen, they are, they have become an international powerhouse. Uh, we, we are looking at a company now that, um, can truly call themselves the face of, of combat sports and sports entertainment, to be fair. Uh, and, and that in itself is powerful. Now, things we have to watch out for and kind of be worried about to this point in time is, again, UFC has been known to be called a monopoly. WWE has been known to be called a monopoly. Now they're under the same banner. What is going to happen there? The good thing is, for the first time in a very long time, within the pro wrestling space, um, there is a company called AEW that is out there. Uh, Tony Khan his father is the the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars they are filthy rich and not only do they have AEW All Elite Wrestling under their banner they also have Ring of Honor uh, and a couple other uh, promotions under their banner as well and they also do cross promotions with New Japan Pro Wrestling which is phenomenal if you haven't had an opportunity to check out those matches um, the WWE doesn't do that in the same way so In the pro wrestling space, people are going to be able to live and survive. And to be fair, the same thing, if we look on the other side of the street with the WWE or with the UFC, um, it's not the same. Now we're looking at a place where the PFL just signed, not only did they, they just signed Francis Ngannou to a historic (laughs) deal in terms of a deal in which, he has equity within the company as a fighter, as a current fighter has equity within the company. He has the opportunity to do, do matches, do boxing matches against Deontay Wilder if he wants to. So we're seeing these type of things starting to come to fruition. So at the end of the day, the more I think about it, I just think this is going to elevate all combat sports. I think it's just going to make everybody, hey, put your big boy pants on. They want to play. Now we have to be more creative in the way in which we do things. And I see that happening.
1: Now, uh, do you think there's ever a possibility that the uh, the fighters themselves, again, the people who do the work, will ever unionize the way, like, the NBA? No. Has, uh, go ahead and uh, no. get into that issue. No.
0: No. And the reason I say no, and unfortunately at this point in time, is that um, <sighs> the fighters in the UFC are essentially... Um, contract workers, right? Even though the UFC treats them as employees, their contracts specifically state that they're, you know, contracted workers. So when you have that, um, what is happening is the guys at the top eat, the guys at the bottom don't. And when it's going, it would have to take a lot of guys at the top who are eaten to take a lot of sacrifices. It will take a lot more of Francis and Gandus. Francis tried to do that and you see what they ended up doing. They ended up spitting him to the curb, throwing dirt on his name, saying he's a piece of trash. And all they did that specifically, specifically to make everybody else, hey, you see what happens if you, you step up against us? We're going to bury you. We're going to do everything in our power to make you seem like you're trash. That is what they're doing. Prime example of that. On the 16th of this month, May 16th, Francis Ngannou made his, his announcement where he said, hey, I am going to go out there and I'm going to the PFL. The UFC and Dana White found out that he was going to announce that that day. And what did they do? They scrambled. They scrambled to put together one of the biggest cards of the year and announced it on the exact same day so Francis wouldn't end up getting any shine that day. He still ended up doing it, but it was, how do I say, petty. <laughs> it was the most petty move you'll ever see, but this is what they do. They're going to do all these scare scare tactics. They're going to do a lot of the same things that the conservatives and the Republicans do because guess what? That's who's running the ship over there. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, this is what we're going to get. We're not going to get. They're going to scare. They're going to fear monger. They're going to do everything in their power in order that the people, the fighters, don't band together and say we deserve more than we are getting. They're not getting that. Again, I look at it in terms of we're looking at our country, right? I I I I was in actually, I just flew in um last night from Wash I was in Washington, D.C. uh working on a documentary. And um and one thing that we look at flew into Reagan Airport. Ronald Reagan was a piece of trash. And if we look at everything that happens with uh with Ronald Reagan and the way that he decimated unions within this country, is the exact same thing that people are trying to do again at the top. They don't want people to unionize. They don't want people to, to band together and do things. We want to bury them as much as possible. And with that being said, um, I stand with, um, the SAG AFRA, the writers strike everything there. I think those individuals need to get what they have to do. Salute to them and everybody who is supporting that, uh, that movement right now. Uh, I stand with SAG AFRA, the writers union and everybody else.
1: All right. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that uh, works against uh, fighters uh, in terms of unionizing is the notion that they're individuals, uh, you know, they've like they're fighting. It's like a very individualistic thing. As you know, you're in the ring with you have a foe and you want to beat them. So the notion that you would be united with that foe. Ali used to say this. He was so ahead of the time in the early 70s, like he would be bannering with Joe Frazier, and he goes, you know, we should get together, Joe. We we should get together. You know, and, and of course, nothing came of that. Uh, the NBA pioneered this because they're battling right now for the NBA championship. You know, LeBron and and Jokic, they don't like each other when they're playing. They're they're going at it, but they're both members of the the players' union. And they're collective, they got collective bargaining rights that guarantee them, as you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, they guarantee them pensions, they guarantee them health care, they guarantee them salaries. Uh, but do you think that individualist aspect of fighting is too strong to overcome to form a union?
0: What, what is it called when a captor falls in love with the person that? Um that has kidnapped us. The Stockholm Syndrome. Most fighters have have that, they do. They're sitting there in love with their captors, whatever you say Dana, yes, give me my pennies, yes, peanuts, yes, you love me. You have so many of those fools going out there and doing that, it's it's utterly ridiculous. And people within the media like myself, other journalists, um, what are we supposed to do? We have said it until we're purple in the face. And we've tried to say, hey, guys, well, you need to unionize. They're taking advantage of you. If we're looking at the split specifically, we're talking about the NBA right now. It is a 50-50 split between the owners and the, and the talent. Owners get 50%, talents get this, the, other, the other 50%. In the, in, in most sports are like that, NFL is like that, uh, baseball is like that, you're relatively close. Um, MMA is, I believe it is 78, or I'm sorry, 82 to 12 or something like that. I don't know, something along those lines. It's uh, the UFC has about eighty percent of of the the they, they get that the, the athletes only get about twelve or by eighteen or sixteen percent. I think it is. Uh,
1: well, you know, as long as you have that feeling for uh, talent, you're going to get screwed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the the. Players you've alluded to that uh, are at the heart of this deal. You already talked about Ari Emanuel, whose brother, by the way, Rahm Emanuel, mayor of the city of Chicago,
0: was um, a terrible a terrible mayor of Chicago. Yes.
1: I, I will agree with you 100% of that. Uh, yes. I mean, uh, we've
0: had two bad mayors. We've had a few bad mayors in a row. I, I'm looking forward to this next gentleman. I, I'm, I'm excited
1: for Brandon. Brandon Johnson. Uh, all right. and right. I'm uh, excited for, for Brother Johnson. Yeah. So, uh, Dana White, you've uh, referred to him a couple times. Uh, talk a little bit about Dana White.
0: I'm going to start off with this because, um, if it was not for Dana White, MMA as a sport, not just the UFC as the organization, MMA as a sport would not be as popular as it is today. As of right now, mixed martial arts is the fastest growing sport in the world, not just in the States, it's the fastest growing sport in the world. And that is huge part to do with Dana White. Dana White was going out there and fighting the good fight with lobbyists and different things like that for for years in order to get you know um, uh, MMA regulated w- around the world, uh, especially within this country. I mean, when it started off, when he started off, especially um, when the UFC kicked off in '93, the Fertitas ended up getting it in about 2003 or something like that. Bought it, I think, for something like three million dollars, and they ended up turning that three million dollar uh, you know uh, d- deficit where and they ended up actually going in the hole. Something like $60 million after buying it for three and going in the hole for $6 million. Then they turned it all the way around and now it's worth $12 billion, right? Um, as a businessman and what he has done, he is a pioneer and I, and I salute him for that. I do. And, and I'd be a fool to, 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 to not say that. But Dana White has taken the sport as far as he can. And I think the sport will be far better when he's gone at this point in time. He has treated the sport and specifically the UFC like it's a boys' club, it is his plaything. And the moment that he leaves, the organization will finally be able to flourish, in my opinion.
1: Uh, he is also uh unabashed supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, he is, yes. Well, the
0: way he, he does that as well is because Donald Trump, um, in the early days of the UFC, he allowed the UFC to... You know, do things in Atlantic City. There were a lot of big, famous cards that were there. He was a big supporter of Dana in the UFC when he hit it when he started. So, Dana, being the um, how do I say this any better? Being the white male that he is, he said, "Hey, I'm here. Let's let's do white guy things." And, and that, that's what he, you know, he is always going to be a fan of Donald Trump because he supported him in his time of
1: need. And similarly, Vincent McMahon, uh, a friend of Donald Trump, Donald Trump's in the Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, has participated in wrestling events down through the years, uh, including that uh, haircut scheme that went, I forget how many years ago that was. Uh, and um, so what is, uh, in your opinion, is the potential that in, uh, this new endeavor could become essentially a tool for Republicans and for MAGA?
0: I don't Nah, how you know what I mean I mean they're they're sports they're gonna because most of the talent is 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 left-leaning so especially in professional wrestling the bulk of the talent is left left left-leaning it was not always like that but it is now you know what I mean and then in if you look at in terms of MMA it's 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 about 60 40 left-leaning So as the talent, so you're not going to be able to do any of that. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll have people go out there patting Andrew Tate on the back and saying nonsense. But at the other side, you have other people that are saying, this is this isn't what we believe in. This isn't what we do. Um, We're here for the sport. We love the sport. And and so I don't see it being a conduit
1: uh, for MAGA in any way. Uh, I know that uh, Donald Trump embraces the culture uh, in some ways. It's sort of like NASCAR. Uh, has been embraced by MAGA or MAGA politicians, as though everybody involved in NASCAR, everybody who enjoys racing, uh, is automatically a Republican. Uh, I can see why people think about that. Uh, and uh, in similar ways, uh, Republican politicians have embraced uh, wrestling uh, and mixed martial arts. But your point's a good one: the actual, the talent, the fighters are them- are not themselves MAGA. They're being used yeah. and exploited. Not, not, by they, Not even close.
0: Yeah. Not, but they're not even being used and exploited by MAGA. I mean, you, I, you don't see MAGA stuff in there. You never hear any politics at all there. So to say that is just not true.
1: You know, well, it, I'm just talking just like, about in terms of Dana I, I, White giving the speech for Donald Trump and supporting Donald well, Trump.
0: Well, th- yeah, that that is that is, but we I, I almost look that into. I mean, people will associate Dana White because they hear his rhetoric, and they will say, okay, well, Dana likes dude. But if you're looking at again the athletes and the things they're not going out there, you know. Now granted, I will be honest. And, and and you know what? I'm even I'm actually I'm gonna walk back what I just said because they will show him on TV front and center if he's ever there. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they will quietly try to put it out there. and, and you know who they support. You you the, the the powers that be there, you know who they support. So I'm gonna walk that one back.
1: But yeah, they will I give him that seat and that, that ringside seat uh oh my god right there. and have
0: people be yeah. talking to him and saying nonsense and everything and they'll only have him there when he like for instance the, the card a few months last month when he was in miami he was there right so they'll do those type of things like that um but i mean outside of miami like you're gonna see donald trump here in la you're not gonna see him in new york you're not gonna see him you know what i mean like he he's gonna go there and that's the only place you're gonna do it um and then also think about all the entertainers that love MMA and things of that nature. So when you're seeing these entertainers that are fans of the sport and do it, I mean, again, most of them are left-leaning. Yeah. So to sit there and to think that, I mean, I, it, it is an interesting situation, but at the end of the day, I mean, hey, what can we do? Uh,
1: yeah, hey, hey, some Democratic politician, get yourself a, a ringside seat. Uh, maybe you should steal a page. Yeah, damn from damn right. uh, Jamal Bowman. To. Let's go. Congressman Bowman, let's get you out there uh, to the next. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, in New Absolutely. York. Um, all right. Well, a couple of boxing uh, things I want to talk to you about before we get to John ja Moran. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really curious your thoughts on John ja Morant, but we'll hold off on that for a little while. Um, so I'm a little late on this one. I realized the fight was in April. Uh, tank Davis <laughs> versus Ryan Garcia. And... Um, I- <laughs> I, I was—I mean, this is a tough one uh, for me. I—I—I got to tell you, uh, I was rooting for Tank Davis. Uh, even though he's got a, some issues he's dealing with, to put it mildly, uh, but I was still rooting for him. There's just something about him I find myself rooting for him because he's a uh, brilliant boxer,
0: Ryan. and if you enjoy the sport, yeah. you enjoy the talent, and I totally get it
1: yeah so yeah it's exactly what we really uh and he oh man, he threw a punch it hurt me, okay, that punch mm. that he hit, I, I, that left hook that, that 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 overhand left in the second round, oh my goodness, and you know, so when the fight was over, i think it went to the seventh, if i'm correct, uh they made it to yes. seven uh and ryan Garcia it was six or seven i think it was seventh uh yeah i think yeah, so. i think it was in think the seventh. Right. Uh, that Ryan Garcia just, he couldn't go any further and they had to stop that fight. He could have Okay, that. Would get, okay. <laughs> so here we he go. Could have. So when the fight was over, I'm getting these texts, uh, from my Ryan Garcia friends and they'll remain anonymous. Well, first, first of all, first of all, <laughs> I have to say this, um,
0: your, 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 your friend, like, I, I'm going to take a page out of Floyd Mayweather's book. When Floyd Mayweather stood there against Larry Merchant and said, you don't know S about boxing. And I'm going to unfortunately say that to your friends that were cheering for Ryan Garcia. There was no way in hell Ryan Garcia was going to win that fight. People, there are levels to this game. There are levels. And if you're actually watching it, I mean, it was so funny watching the fight because you saw how quickly... How quickly Tank Davis figured him out. And I don't know if you guys saw it. And anybody who was watching, you guys can go back and see it. One thing that Tank Davis did consistently was that he, t- he, had his, he held his hand on Ryan Garcia's lead hand. Ryan Garcia's lead hand is his left hook. So what he did was he t- kept touching it. If you go back and fight, he kept touching his left hand. Why did he do that? Because the only way Ryan Garcia is going to hit you with the left hook is if you don't see it coming. So if I'm touching it, the moment that hand moves, I'm slipping out of the way. And I know, and that's exactly what Tank Davis did. It was easy work, easy money, and to be fair, this fight was never going to be a difficult fight for Tank Davis. It wasn't, and he proved it. Well, um,
1: the the response from fans, and uh, I'm just going to point this out. We've had this conversation on the show uh, before. Uh, It breaks down ethnically. Uh, I do not know uh, any black people who supported uh, uh, Ryan Garcia. I do not know. um, I'm going through my mind. Every Hispanic person I know who cares about boxing was for Ryan Garcia. And uh, so as soon as the fight was over, it's like the Garcia supporters took it personal. Like they personally had lost the fight, Sergio. Uh, And that's when they began texting me that it was fixed. And uh, that he Garcia really just took a knee, Uh, and that is what what went down because there's no way. Really, what they're saying there's no way my guy it was
0: definitely wasn't fixed.
1: (laughs) I I I know that
0: Tank Tank, Tank Davis. I will say this: he he definitely took his soul. He took his spirit. And and, um, Ryan Garcia was saying that uh, he had, I think he had a rib injury in camp, and I think he landed right on that rib. And and for those of who do not know what that Th- that shot could have put down a mule, to be fair. <laughs> it, it was, um, yeah, it, that body shot oh. was so devastating. And think about this. Um, and for those who have who, never been hit by a body shot, I'd rather get, like in talking about MMA, I'd rather somebody kick me in the head than punch me in the body. That, that That's how devastating a shot like that would be, especially when you're fully extended. Ryan Garcia, if you go back and look, was fully extended on shots. So if he's fully extended, his core is loose. At the same time, Tank slipped up under it and hit him straight where his core was loose as he was extending. Yeah. So right in the liver, oof, it, just, it literally shuts your body down. There's nothing you can do. But do I believe t- uh, Ryan could have probably gotten up? Yeah, but let's be very honest. He knew what was going to happen at that point in time. He's like, damn, I did everything I could. There's like,
1: Why why keep going? Yeah. And, and, and he made a, uh, he made a business decision. Well, I just, uh, supporters of fighters should take it so personal, almost like they lost. I I think it's going too far. You know, I know fight fans, they have their reasons for watching uh, the boxing that they do. They personalize the fight. (laughs) And so when they lose, it's like they lost. And so they have to come up with a reason to explain why they lost, which, you know, sort of undercuts losing. You follow me? Someone wins Absolutely. if someone loses, Absolutely. Sergio. You know, <laughs> it's
0: it, one thing we'll find out about combat sports, and this is something I've said for years everybody gets touched. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So to sit there and like make it, see, oh, what has happened? This happened. Sometimes just somebody's actually better. The athlete was just better, or it was his day. You know what I'm saying? So if we're boiled down to it, it and especially with a fight like that, You have to look at it if you're being an educated sports fan, not just a casual fan. There is a difference between an educated sports fan and just a casual, like, I just want to see blood. Just the, like, let's go. You know, you have those guys that are just out there, just out there for just blood and guts, right? But if you actually enjoy the sport and you actually enjoy what these athletes and these combatants are doing within their field, you will look at it and you say, wow, after watching that, the reason that this guy ended up losing, which was Garcia, is just this, they're just different levels, and he—they're just not on the same level.
1: Uh, I take the back. I think Damian Lillard was rooting for Ryan Garcia. I don't know Damian Lillard, but I'm pretty sure he was rooting for uh, Ryan Garcia because they did those commercials together. If you remember that, all right. Uh, the fight tomorrow, it's Saturday. Uh, we're taping this on a Friday.
0: Damon literally is is an educated boxing
1: fan. He he really knows his boxing. Yeah. So does Demar Derozan. Uh, and I yes, he does. Yes. He does as we, well. Really, Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, those guys as well. Well, yeah. Well, Jackson and Barnes are really into. I mean, they they were like covering uh the fight, and they're really close to Tank Davis. Tank Davis was on their show. Uh, and, um, so yeah, no, the, Ryan
0: was on their show also.
1: They talked yes, to he Ryan was. as well. He was on their show. It was a very entertaining You're absolutely correct. That was an entertaining show. They brought Ryan Garcia on, even though they clearly, but Steven Jackson was in Tank Davis's uh, locker room after the fight. I think he was in the the locker room before the fight, too. So, uh, might have been, yeah. might have been. <laughs> uh, he, did, he, did, he didn't hide that one. Uh, all right. Uh, Devin Haney uh, versus Vasily uh, Lamachenko. Uh, that, We're talking about two guys that are better than the first, last two guys that we spoke on. Better boxers. Yes. Oh, by far. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Better boxer than Tank Davis. Well,
0: we're, we're, we're talking about guys in the same weight class, and one of those guys is the undisputed champion. And it's not
1: Tank Davis. Yeah, okay. But I just, a great boxer. Anyway, why is this fight even happening in your humble because opinion? Because it's supposed to. This is a great fight. I mean, uh, Lemachenko's what, 35, 35. He's, he's, uh... yeah.
0: One of the greatest boxers of all time, Vasily Lomachenko, And not only that, he's a war hero this man actually stopped fighting for a year to go over there and defend his country right. against the invasion of a a crazy dictator uh, in Vladimir Putin. Yeah. That's what he went out there and did. He was fighting. Him and and, and, uh, and Alexander Usyk did the same thing. And actually, um, the Bellator uh, uh, mixed martial arts champion, at 170 pounds, I'm, his name's escaping me at this moment, he did the exact same thing. Those are three major champions in combat sports that stop fighting for a while in order to defend their country. So we have Vasily Lomachenko who's doing that. Now, this is a fight that Devin Haney, the youngest undisputed champion in boxing history, uh, um, he's been wanted for years. He feels like this is a fantastic matchup. And if we're looking at Lomachenko, we're looking at his last two fights. Yes, he lost his one fight to TFM Lopez. If you go back and watch that fight, if that was another round or two, he's probably going to knock out Teofimo Lopez if we we're really going out. And we've also seen how Teofimo's career has gone since that time. Hasn't gone very great. So if we're looking at Tank, uh, I'm sorry, uh Vizy Lomchenko, he goes out there and he just completely demolishes, demolishes um, uh, Richard Comey. And then after that, he fought, oh, I'm skipping, his name is Skip okay, me as well around right this moment in time, but up and coming dude he's a champion in a lighter weight class who was a former sparring champ uh sparring partner of lomachenko and he still went out there and did work to him so um vasyl lomachenko still that dude or as the kids say he is him (laughs) still you know what i mean uh Uh, he is him
1: all right so you
0: have uh those you know he is that good but at the same time Devin Haney is one of the, the, the best young fighters in all of boxing. He is incredible to watch. He doesn't look like, he fights like Money Mayweather. Now, the guy who I think is great also, Shakur Stevenson, who's also in this weight class, he fights like pretty boy Floyd. There is a distinct difference. So you have that, but you have, he is extremely sharp. He has a fantastic, fantastic jab. That is Devin Haney. So we're going to be seeing in this matchup is, is Devin Haney's size, strength, and length, Going to be able to supersede or surpass the the IQ, the footwork, and the quickness of the smaller
1: Lomachenko. Uh, and answer your question: Do you think it will?
0: I go back and forth, man.
1: I'll be honest with you. This is this one's
0: been very difficult for me to pick. Um, even um, I, I, uh, I had my boxing show this week, and I was talking about it. And the thing about it is it, one of those things that. Devin Haney does have a great jab, but one thing that he doesn't have, he doesn't seem to pose at this point in time, is a lot of power, right? He's young, so that, that power kind of goes up you know, as you get older, so will he be able to do enough to stop Lomachenko from coming downhill? But at the same time, Lomachenko's had some shoulder injuries, some hand injuries. He's also a much smaller guy. He, even though he's one at this weight class, he's fighting outside of his weight class, so... It, it is, you know what I'm saying but so is he is, is he does he have enough firepower to beat a young hungry up-and-coming dude who knows if I beat Lomachenko I am legitimately have a case of being the face of boxing right it I go back and forth but I unfortunately with smaller weight classes I lean towards the younger guys because it, in boxing combat sports you get old overnight. And the only weight classes in which you really progress after 35 years old is if you're the bigger weight classes. If you're like 185, 200 pounds and up, right, the guys still aren't as fast, you still have power, you know, you can still sustain. You don't need as much of that quick twitch as them of the younger guys do, right? But in the smaller weight classes, you can't slow down because those guys are twitchy, they're fast, they're explosive. Now, can Lomachenko, does he still have that? Or, again, Father Time is undefeated. It's one of those things that, I mean, did he get old overnight? His last two fights, it didn't look like it. But it's one of those questions, and that's what makes this sport so beautiful. We don't know. This is, in my opinion, a legitimate 50-50 fight. I lean towards the champion, the undisputed champion. This is somebody who should absolutely be in your pound-for-pound list. Depp Haney's that guy. He really is. He
1: will be him if he wins this matchup this weekend. I, I, I'm leaning I'm leaning towards him. I'm with him. you. I just uh, The fact that Alemchenko is fighting in a, a weight higher than his ideal right there at age 35, that's... that's, that's He's not a big guy. Yeah, that's, that's asking a lot. All right, let's leave boxing and go to uh, basketball. Uh, Sergio knows basketball as well. Uh, and uh, John Morant. Fabulous this is fabulously fabulously talented uh, guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. a joy to watch on the court uh, and uh off the court it's a different little different story two times over the last. I want to say Sergio five months two or months so.
0: two months not even yeah. two
1: months you're right yeah With, uh, yeah uh he has in one case broadcast on his own uh Instagram and the other. Case his friend broadcast over Instagram uh, footage of him in a sort of a celebratory mood brandishing a pistol, a gun. Uh, The first time he apologized, he said he was going to reflect that it was the pressure of the game got to him. He's take time off, uh, do some serious analysis, and never let it happen again. And then two months later, it happens again. Uh, uh, I think he's been suspended from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but they haven't really figured out exactly what the uh exact consequence will be. Uh, so your just general thoughts about what is going on with uh John Morant right now. take it away
0: um
1: it, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate.
0: I think um his rookie year actually uh, coming into his rookie year, I was actually in studio with you, and he was the dude that I actually said I believe should have been the rookie of the year, right? you know he he he's that guy. And, um, and honestly, I, he has not disappointed me in terms of what he brings to the table on the court. He's an incredible talent. And I think we all know that, you know, he's one of the, if not the most exciting player currently in the NBA, um, this is, this is disappointing on many levels. And and I've heard people saying that, oh, well, you know, if it was a rapper, if it was guns are, you know, you know, aren't illegal and say that he's in blah, 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 blah. Look, the issue is this. This is a, you're getting paid, this multi-billion dollar company is paying you $100 million to play and represent their brand. You have already been reprimanded for doing this. You got suspended for doing this. We will give you a mulligan for doing it the first time. He's young, he was dumb, he was at a strip club, whatever, right? Nothing came of it, all the investigations came up negative. Fine, we moved on from it. But after the series season, you do it and you do it again. Ah, It it, it just, the thing I have to say to John Morant, and here's the thing. I know John Morant ain't listening to nobody because I believe that people within his circle probably keep him far away from what the talking heads and people like us are saying. But if if I was to listen, if he was to listen to, to someone like myself or us, John Morant needs to get a new circle of friends. He needs to get a circle of friends of people who actually care about him. Because right now, he's around a bunch of dudes that are trying to take advantage of him and i don't think he understands that if they cared about him they would not be out here going live on anything we going to tell, we as a friend i'm going to tell him hey man put that stuff away don't do that what do you know what i'm saying like as a friend those are the things that you're supposed to do to protect essentially all of your investments right You guys live good when you're with him. If you want to keep living good, take care of him. Make sure that he is protected. You know, so that is what you're supposed to do when you have a superstar and you have stuff. But he, unfortunately, and and one thing that I've thought about as well is that, I mean, obviously I'm from a different generation, right? I'm I'm older than he is and being 23 years old and and I don't like He's a kid that has grown up, like, I didn't grow up with cell phones. I didn't grow up with social media. So, you know, does he feel as if, you know, he's being rebellious and he feels as if this is how, you know, I'm showing you guys that I am, you know, from the street. There's pictures of me with a polo going to, you know, private schools and stuff, but I am hood. And and, and I don't, you know, and because I'm in Memphis, which is, can be a rough place, you know, I want to let y'all know I got that thing on me. At all times, so don't try nothing silly. But then I look at and I think of certain things, and I think of, for instance, the the situation with uh, his mother. And that's the one that really highlights something to me. The situation with his mother at the store at the and his mom. This he's already in the NBA. He's doing it. She doesn't like something that happened to her at at, at a at, the, at a mall, and she essentially called Ja to come over there and try to beat dude up. To me, that shows that she don't care about Ja Moran that's what that shows me and unfortunately if that's what his mother is doing he has a lot of issues and that and and, and it's unfortunate and it's sad and i hope that somebody around him you know takes him by the ear and kind of you know sets him down and i think that's also an issue that the nba currently has in terms of the way that they've have essentially pushed out all the veterans in the nba the nba used to be a grown man league when i was growing up the the bulk of the lineup were in their 30s. They're in their 30s. These are grown men playing basketball. Now, most teams are in their early 20s. And there's there's a there, there are no Udonis Haslam's on the team. There are no Matt Barnes or Steven Jackson's on the team anymore that are sitting here grabbing these young guys. LeBron is literally the only guy like that. How many guys back in the day were like a LeBron, 38 years old? Granted, they weren't out here averaging triple-doubles damn near, but they, they were still on the bench grabbing him by the ear. The last one I can think of like that was like Jared Dudley. That was like the last one of those guys. You know what I mean? I love Jared Dudley. Uh, you know, So I think that itself, the culture of the NBA with that sense of some of these younger players, I think that could be a legitimate issue, um, how young the league is right now. And being that these guys are so young, like for instance, you're hearing these young bench players, guys who don't get any playing time. On shitty teams, excuse my French, talking about the guys who play on like San Antonio, trying to talk trash about like LeBron. Like, are you kidding? Like, there's like, what? What? Like, how are you guys? You guys don't have enough clout to talk to say anything. I don't even want to hear your voice, much less anything else. If I don't see you play, like, why are you talking? Get your stuff together so that you could actually be good on this court. Until you're actually getting buckets, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. I hate to say it like that, but it's real. No, it's
1: true. Dylan Brooks from uh, Memphis talking trash about LeBron. That's
0: another one. Yeah. <laughs> scrub. The dude is a scrub. He he's gonna be playing with the Shanghai Knights next
1: year. Yeah. Uh well, I'm happy to say that my beloved Bulls uh, have DeMar DeRozan, uh who's about 31 or 32. And um, you know, he every uh summer he he takes the rookies, they come work out with him. Dalen Terry, uh, he's really watched out for him. And, you know, the Bulls uh, are not world champions, to put it mildly. Um, but I do believe that on, the, on this one front, uh, DeMar DeRozan just is a very positive influence, just how you, you, you should behave and go through life. Uh, it, I mean, and
0: th- look at the teams that have older players like that. The Lakers, the Heat, those are two different organizations and, and they consistently, no matter if they have trash people on their team or not, they keep showing up and keep winning.
1: Yeah, he downs no joke. He's, he's 42 years old. No he choker. plays for Miami heat. And yeah. he, yeah, and he really, no, he uh, retired.
0: This was his last year. Yeah. Year.
1: They, but he's, uh, he's still like, if they win a ring, if they win it this year and they're in the uh, conference final, oh, he gets a ring. He gets for a sure. ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What yeah, do you think the NBA should, win, but yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to win. They're uh, <laughs> <laughs> not going to win. <laughs> uh, what do you think <laughs> the NBA Champs coming is- out the West, people. I'm sorry. Uh, man, Jokic, I. Wow, that, whatever. Let me, I don't know thing, if they're going
0: to win the series.
1: All right, wait, hold on. First things first. Let me go, go back to uh, finish up with you. In your, if you were the NBA commissioner, uh, what would you do regarding uh, John Moran?
0: Oh, I, I hate to say this. Um, only because he has been reprimanded and suspended before and then right away did it again. He, he gave him like half a season. Suspend them for like half a season. This isn't a joke to me. And if you do it again, you're out. You got two. This is your second strike. You, you know what I mean? Um, you think that you can just. Again, these guys have to understand that yes, they are their own business. Yes, there are all these things. But at the end of the day, you're representing a brand. And just like any other job, if I am out here working with. Sh- whomever, and I go out there and I'm on social media brandishing a pistol and doing things like that, you know, listening to hip hop, you know what I'm saying? They're going to fire me. Now, granted, if I'm a politician and I'm on a Republican and I'm brandishing firearms in my Christmas card, they're not going to say anything to me about it. But unfortunately, we're talking about a young black man with locks listening to hip hop, Listening that, that that is the, the, the primary issue. And for the shield, for the brand, it's a bad look.
1: Uh, By the way, one more example. Uh, We do this on the show all the time of the utter uh, double standard that exists in America today. We started off with uh, Jamal Bowman uh, getting in the face of Marjorie Taylor Greene who breaks down into tears about it, uh, even though she feels free to get in the face of anybody. Uh, And this is another example. Yeah, there's the MAGA celebrates weaponry. They have a cult of the gun. They promote they it. They love it. They, uh, love, they it. love it. They'll fight yes. any attempt to regulate the sale of guns. Any attempt, uh, they'll say they have the Second Amendment right to uh, to buy as much weaponry as they want, no matter how deranged they may be. Uh, and so now they fall upon uh, John Morant uh, and using the example of how lawlessness, the lawlessness in the NBA, utter hypocrisy. Uh, and Sergio just underscores one more time how difficult it ha- is to have anything resembling a meaningful discussion in this country in this day when one side is just so blatantly and boldly hypocritical across the board. You can't take them at face value on anything. They don't believe in anything. It are all tactics in a larger game. Uh, but, yeah, when you went on that riff, that was beautiful because you're right. Paul Gosar, the, the congressman from Arizona with his, his – cards greeting cards with the weaponry p- putting out weapons uh in commercials having his children young children under 10 years yeah. old holding firearms which is
0: utterly ridiculous for him to go out there and do that but they do it to prove a point point. one thing about not just maga because it is the entire republican party at this point in time has adopted that ideology of we're just going to, no matter what it is, it's almost like we live in different universes. Okay. I just want to say, no, this. Right.
1: please. Yeah. I use MAGA and Republicans interchangeably. Cause I can't see a difference. MAGA controls the Republican party. There is none. They don't yeah, have the, you're right. There's Absolutely. not a Republican in this country. that have the guts to stand up to MAGA. Uh, the few that did were kicked out of the party. So really you're all yep. MAGA Republicans. Yep. Uh, Man. don't try 1000%. Uh, I'm with you about, you know, I'm with you. Uh, So putting aside the hypocrisy of. of, um, uh, of
0: And it's also racism, just just plain racism, because at the end of the day, um, one thing that highlights most, you know, not most, all of MAGA and and the conservative party uh, is fear. And they are extremely fearful. They they fear monger everything. They're afraid of everything. Again, I I laugh about the clutching of pearls and, and, and I do declare and everything like that. But it's the reality of it. Anytime that the others, or P, you know what I'm saying, people that they deem to be the others are, do not have, you know, or have something, they, they, oh my God, I don't want the others to get it. Because at the end of the day, what people like that are afraid of is that people that look like me will eventually do to them what they have done to us for years. That is what it boils down to. They're afraid, but here's the thing about it that they don't understand. That is not how people like myself and people of the earth are. We're not like that. We are surprisingly, more than we should be, empathetic and forgiving. Because if we were not, if black Americans in this country were not as empathetic and forgiving, we would have been shut this thing down. But we're not. We love this country. Black people in this country, you know why we love this country? Because first of all, they brought us over here we didn't know where the heck we. They, they tore us away from our families, left and right. There are two million of my ancestors in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Let's just put that in perspective. And then we have that. And then they come over here. I mean, it's. It, it, it is. It is one of the things that when when you when we're really thinking about it and looking at it, um, Black Americans in this country, blood, sweat, and tears. What we have given to this country. As much as I. Get upset at what this country does and how this country treats us. this is my home. I love this country, and I'll represent this country as much as I can because you know what My people built this country, and that 's why i'll always re- represent that 's why I always say I'm a black American. I love being here, but we have a lot to do to actually to to fix things um, and to to they need to, uh, hey, things need to get changed. I put like this. And um, the country needs to forgive. They need to um, apologize. They need to apologize to the black Americans in this country for what they have done
1: for centuries. You, uh, great riff. And when you, uh, in the middle of it, I was reminded of Doc Rivers in uh, and, and the bubble. Uh, I, I, you, I, we may have talked about this when you were on a previous show. Doc Rivers at the time was quoting the Clippers, I want to say. Uh, and he goes, uh, we've loved this country. Unfortunately, this country has not loved us back. Um, and, and when, and when this country
0: doesn't love us. Yeah, This country doesn't love us at all. And we have everything that we have done for this country. I mean, I was just in Washington, D.C. Do you know how daunting it is when I am looking at Washington, D.C., and I'm looking at all the pomp and circumstance of all these beautiful marble buildings and the White House and all these things, and I realize slaves built this? When you actually realize that, it hits you. Slaves built this. My ancestors built this for nothing. And we're sitting here celebrating it. Like it's daunting, man. It is heavy when you look at it in that way.
1: Uh, so uh, given what you just said, it may be um, diminishing to ask you for a prediction in the NBA bet playoffs. <laughs> let's, let's just... Look, man,
0: uh, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm rocking with. I don't care where down 0-2. I'm rocking
1: with my Lakers still. Okay. He's also a All right, Bulls look, fan. Um, just just so you know that. Uh, I, the, the man. I is, am a from Bulls Chicago. fan, but
0: my Bulls aren't playing right now.
1: Yeah, okay. My Bulls aren't playing right All now, right. so I go with my
0: other team. I live in L.A. I'm rocking with my Lakers. Yeah, and Anthony and I'm Davis a LeBron fan. True. The goat, LeBron James. Uh,
1: um,
0: uh, uh, I will say this, Anthony Davis. I am not going to start. I am going to take his Chicago card very soon, because Anthony Davis. There is no way in hell you are that big and that talented and that soft.
1: He, he, he just like, scored 40 points the other
0: night. <laughs> he just scored 15 points last night and was the reason we lost.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, well, no, LeBron, wait a minute. Hold on. No, let, I'm going to LeBron it. had it. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. LeBron, LeBron had a, LeBron, LeBron. And took he, he, so many
0: ill okay. yeah, but, but guess what? But, but you know what he also had? He also almost had a triple-double. He also had twenty five points, nine rebounds, and ten assists.
1: I'm just saying it's a team. If, if we're I looking blaming it on one guy, and uh,
0: uh, I'm not blaming it on one guy either. But if but there's no reason somebody as talented as him should be scoring anything less than twenty points. Fair enough. So if I'm looking at somebody like Anthony Davis who doesn't have twenty, if he is not averaging, if he is not out there like Shaq and getting. Twenty and fifteen each game, twenty five and fifteen each game, which we have seen that he can and he has consistently done. I don't understand why he goes one game on, one game off, one game on, one game off. That's not being a champion. Well, that's, so but, if he consistently does that, I'm going to stay on. All right. Well,
1: that's but you know what? That the, that's the reality. The reality of most players in the league is is it's like. One, well, day, not one great. day off? I mean, look at uh, Tatum. No, Jason Tatum of Boston Celtics. That last game, he disappeared in the fourth, absolutely vanished in that first game against Miami. Hello, where are you? Invisible. And it just, the great, great, great That's ones true. are there every day. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Every day. Uh, Kobe Bryant. LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron James. I'll yes. put him on that list. He's one of yes. my top 10 of all time. Yes. Uh, but then. The, How is he not at least number two? Of all time? Of all th- yes. You can't- how is he not? See, so you're young. You don't know. You don't know about Will Chamberlain. You don't know about Bill Russell. You don't know about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Whoa, 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 whoa. Will Will whoa. First, first of all, whoa, wait, wait. Was- put, put, some, put some respect on my name,
0: okay? I, I love the sport so much that I actually go back and I watch, okay? I'm a historian of the game, and I know how good some of those other players are. I also know that Will Chamberlain then was playing against bus drivers and dudes that were half his yes, size, no okay? Not. so You know what?
1: I am not. Yes, it is. Mitigate. Yes, I'm it gonna, is. Uh, I'm going to ask I'm next I'm say Joe. This. We're Sergio talking about the all-time on, league Well, We'll outnumber you, the he old guy. He don't know basketball. <laughs> what, what are you going to ask him for? What does he, he know? Uh, you hear that? You hear <laughs> that? What does he know? I mean, come on. Uh, all right. So let's get a prediction from you before we close with reparations conversation. Uh, yes. Who will emerge from the conference uh, finals to play for the championship?
0: Oh man! I, to be fair, I'm I, I still I'm 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 a leaning Lakers, but um, you know Denver looks every bit of the number one team in the NBA. They look fantastic. Not not just Jokic, every all those guys are playing on all cylinders. Uh, and and that but the thing about it is it's interesting seeing the Lakers. That's when they're they're just so close. You know what I mean? To come back from down. That's why I still think there's a real opportunity for them to win this series. Um, and it's something like 40 and four or four wins and 40 losses for teams that are down. two. Yeah. Two of those wins are via LeBron James teams. Just keep that in mind. So I, if anybody's going to be able to do it, I'm leaning LeBron, um, on the, um, in the East. Look, the Celtics should win. The Celtics should absolutely beat Miami. Miami doesn't have Tyler hero. Miami doesn't have Victor Oladipo. They should absolutely win. Um, but damn, Jimmy Buckets. I'm still <laughs> sick to my stomach that the Bulls gave him. Yeah, up. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it like, could you imagine Jimmy with that team? Yeah. Oh. We'd be different. We'd be different animals. But um yeah. if I'm looking at it right now, um, I'm going
1: to say uh we're gonna get Lakers Celtics. That's what wow, I'm saying. Wow, that's, that's 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 <laughs> I would love that. I mean, that just brings back memories of the 80s. I hated both of those teams, just for the record. I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, but uh, but it would be it, – it, just seeing the uniforms out there would just be great throwback to the 80s, my favorite era. Uh, I am going to make the following prediction. I want hey, – like the 2000s. Yes, it's true. Oh, my God. Oh, my friends, I, All my friends were Kobe fans. And I, I love Kevin Garnett, Ray John Ronalds, one of my favorite players of all time. I love Doc Rivers. I was rooting for the Celtics. Uh, and uh, all my friends, I see Norm out there. Uh, I'm, as I, I, much as I want AD A- 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 uh, and LeBron to prevail, I'm really rooting for AD. I feel, I just think Denver's too good. I think Denver will win. And as much yeah. as I love Jimmy. I'm not mad Butler, at that pick. Uh, I think I actually think the Celtics. They're they're such a weird team, Sergio. They 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 are they're so they flaky, you know, <laughs> and they, inconsistent were, as ever, aren't they? Yeah, like they did the same thing in the semis this year that they did last year. The same exact stuff yeah. They lose at home, then they are down three two. They win on the road. They go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Celtics uh, to be in the finals, and we'll we'll worry about who's the champion <laughs> in another show. All right. Uh, we should probably do a whole show on this, but we're just going to close with the tease for a show to come. Absolutely, uh, you're working on a documentary okay. uh, about reparations yes, in the United States of America. Go ahead.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so I, I am um, uh, working on a uh, a doc on reparations funded by the state of California, and we are um, the director and producer uh, D Chance Berry. Uh, he he did the Brown Girls, uh, Dark Girls, I'm sorry, for Dark Girls documentary um, that got you know, many awards and things of that nature, which is really fantastic. It's like on the own network uh, right now. But uh, it, 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 um, we are going around um, interviewing everything from politicians, uh, educators, family members of, about um, what their beliefs um, of reparations in this country and what they should actually be. Um, we, uh, we will actually be interviewing, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom as well, um, as well as Mayor Keisha Bottoms. And we're trying to get Maxine Waters, um, um, on the, uh, on the docket as well. So we're working on it, but it's going to be a three part series. Um, we will present the trailer to it, um, to the state Capitol, uh, of California, um, at the end of next month. And then we'll be working on the next, uh, two chapters uh, of the docu-series, so um, it is uh, it will be a in a, a, a lightning series that it is used um, the, with the states. The states will pass it along to all the other states and it will continue the conversation of what should be done in terms of reparations for black Americans in this country.
1: Well, I will um, when you get that uh, the first segment finished, let's bring you back and talk about it. Uh, and um, and then, by the way, there's a mini movement. I know you notice in L.A.
0: I mean, look, I mean, the, the, the this country needs to um, uh, repent for what they did. I mean, we will never be whole as a country unless the country admits the atrocities that it created in order to become as wealthy in what it is today. Um, we would not be the global powerhouse that we are if it was not uh, for the... Work of slaves within this country. I mean, the the dollar amount. I mean, we can't even. It's it's multiple hundreds of trillions of dollars uh, that the wealth has, and then we don't even want to talk about how the systems have been in place in order to consistently. Burying key Black Americans underwater, even to today. I mean, look at what Florida's doing—banning books by Black authors, trying to erase the history and about this country, trying to hide the history from essentially these these pearl clutching, you know, individuals that don't want to admit what happened, what their ancestors did, and what they are still benefiting from even today. Because every single white person in America has
1: benefited from slavery and it is just the reality of it. Uh, all right. Sergio Vicente is his name. He's a podcaster. He's a filmmaker. Uh, he's also a great chef. We're not even talking about that. Uh, and he's a dear friend of the show. Thank you, Sergio, for taking time and talking to me. It's been too long.
0: Ben, thank you so much for having me, man. I always, always appreciate coming out on the show with you. Um, you the man, brother. You are him. <laughs>
1: I'll take that. I will definitely. <laughs> oh my lord! It's been so long since I've been even vaguely uh, connected to him, at least on the basketball court. Uh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> That's Sergio Facente. I'm Ben Take care, everybody.